Welcome to Odd Drummer Gaming, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. Uh, I'm calling this a bonus movie beat number two. I did this a while back once because I had a ton of movies piling up and I didn't really have one main movie to feature. This time, I don't really have that many movies to talk about. I just... Here's the thing. Next, up in an upcoming episode, I want to talk about Mortal Kombat, the Orige in the 90s, because it's next list. Oh, God, I can't speak. It's up next on the list of movies based on video games, um, according to the Wikipedia, the human Wikipedia. Um... And I wanted to watch some Bruce Lee movies for that. Uh, At least Enter the Dragon, because I heard Enter the Dragon is a major influence on Mortal Kombat. And I haven't yet. And there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk about. My chair keeps squeaking. Um, Here's up on the agenda for this episode. Um, up at the top, I want to talk about Kevin Smith because I I keep thinking about him. And I want to record those for thoughts for some reason. Newsbeat, I'll look at headlines and see what headlines we can make fun of. And see which news um, articles that I have no interest about. Music beat, gaming beat. Let me look at the, my Excel sheet of movies I've seen. I want to talk about Norm Macdonald, the n- n- Nothing Special, Top Gun, I can talk about briefly, Inventing Anna. Um I saw jo- I saw Jaws and Top Gun for the first time recently. But I think I will save Jaws for a future episode. I'll I'll talk about that a little bit later. And I watched the f- two episodes of Seinfeld. I've seen Seinfeld. I love Seinfeld. But we'll talk about that. So let's check 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 it out. Um Kevin Smith. All right. So I think I've talked about this brief I talked about this before in a previous episode, maybe the direct last episode, but my memory is so thrashed, I don't remember anything. But I've I love We'll See You in Hell. It's my favorite podcast of currently of all time. But prior to that, I I used to love Smodcast. And so I've been listening to old episodes of Smodcast like from 2007. And I I I enjoyed it for a little bit. And it, it brought back memories of when I enjoyed it um, years ago. Maybe close to 10 years ago, I used to listen to Smodcast. It's funny because my dad used to drive us, like me and my brother, to school. Well, I just remember me to school. And he would listen to the radio. And he would listen to, like, Kiss FM. And Kiss FM, I still remember the little... The little music jingles, like 
102.7 Kiss FM. Up next, weather. Like, and I would hate it because I was a child. Well, I don't want to listen to adults on the radio um, in the morning. But that's what my dad did. And, and that's what I'm doing now with podcasts. It's kind of interesting. I guess that's how life works. You know, history always repeats itself. And so I listen, I used to listen to a smartcast. I'm listening to it now. And I was enjoying it for a little bit. I was enjoying it. Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier are interesting people. They're funny people. They're interesting. They've led interesting lives. They have a lot of stories and they're funny and their chemistry is great. And they remind me of the enjoyment I have from We'll See You in Hell. And I I can't help but compare the two. Because, you know, A, they're two men on a podcast. They happen to be white men. I don't know what that says about me. But B, they're also in, they work in the entertainment industry. And they're good friends. So there's a lot of similarities there. But in terms of vibe, in terms of personalities, they're vastly different. So here's the thing. After six years of We'll See You in Hell, I'm not going to say that I'm burnt out on the podcast. I'm not going to go that far. But I will say I find it kind of disturbing that I listened to one podcast on loop for about six years. It's it's a little disturbing. And I've listened to other podcasts, but not as loyally as We'll See You in Hell. So I feel like I need to take a break from We'll See You in Hell. Uh, I'm still going to listen to the new episodes, but the going back to old episodes on loop, I need to take a break for my own um, sanity, I guess. Uh, not that I don't enjoy it. I do enjoy it very much. It's just, I need, I feel like I should experience other things for my aural pleasure. But instead of finding something new or different, I started listening to old episodes of Smodcast. And can I tell you, I, I almost feel as burnt out on Smodcast after, let me see how many episodes I've made it, like tw- 20 episodes or 30, um, let me check this real quick, check, 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 let me vamp, as they said on We'll See You in Hell, I'm like just past the 20 episode mark on Smodcast. And I, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed a bunch of it. It's funny, like I said, but I feel kind of burnt out on it already after twenty episodes. After listening to it for a few days, maybe a week, maybe, and that's why I, I've described this before that I have a, a like dislike relationship with Kevin Smith. I wouldn't go so far as to say I have a love-hate relationship with Kevin Smith. It's more of a like-dislike relationship with Kevin Smith. Um, I just started thinking that this guy 
really loves himself so much to the point where I feel like it's too much. You know, like he talks about himself a lot, like a lot, a lot, lot. And I get that. I think that's why a lot of people podcast because for me, I can talk about myself and personal stories uninterrupted for a long period of time. And I get that. It's indulgent. It feels good. You feel like you're venting. It feels like self-therapy, um, self-care almost. Um, I think everyone does that to some extent, unless you're doing like a professional like serial or true crime. Or you don't. They don't talk about themselves. They're doing like a real service type thing or like um, revisionist history. They don't talk about themselves, but that's a whole different category of podcast but a lot of podcasts a lot of ones that i like they talk about themselves they have personal stories and i i get it but for example like we'll see you in hell they talk they they tell personal stories for a little bit at the beginning of each episode ranging from 10 15 minutes to maybe 20 30 minutes and then they get to business they talk about movies they talk about the main movie of the hour Kevin Smith, almost every episode, every 50-minute episode of these, you know, first 20 episodes, it's a lot about himself. And it's just, like, I remember this, I remember that. And let's talk to Mosier about, hey, do you remember this? Do you remember that? Um, Let's bring Walt Flanagan on. Hey, do you remember this? Do you remember that? Let's bring my wife on. Hey, la-da-da-da. And... I can't help but get the feeling like this guy loves himself so much. It's too much. Like this guy is in love with himself way too much. And he he does have a self-deprecating element to him, which I relate to and I like. But I don't know. I just it feels so self-focused and self-centered and self-absorbed. And at the same time, like. I do like it, I enjoy it, but it feels just too much of one thing. Um, he feels, you know, in one episode, his wife asks him if his self-esteem, does he have a s- fragile self-esteem? And I think he does. He was talking about this event, this Heroes event, back when Heroes was big, um, when he was going to be the guest mo- moderator or whatever. And he he made a fine point to point out that, like, Greg Grunberg, Greg Grunberg, the only man in Hollywood with four Gs in his name or something like that. He didn't say that. I heard that on a radio show once. But he was like, Greg, Grun- Greg Grunberg said, oh, my God, are you serious? As if to say, like, like, yeah, someone felt that much about me, Kevin Smith, that someone was so excited to see me. I don't know. It's, I just feel like his, his ego and his soul is so fragile that he just, it's, it's not really hard to explain because I've been talking about it for perhaps 10 minutes already and I'm not done yet, but it is a little hard to pinpoint. I remember one time on Fat Man and on Batman, 
he was talking to Mark Bernardin, and he was talking about Batman v Supes and how um, he at first dismissed the movie. He didn't love the movie, and then eventually he came around on it and started changing his tune. And then people were kind of getting on his back about being like, "Oh, you're 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 being paid to uh, to say this stuff. You're a hack. You're a hack." And he like brought it up on Fat Man on Batman, and then Mark Bernardin had to like talk him down. And he, I don't know. It's just like. It, any and every criticism he has to address. It's that thing that on We'll See You in Hell, they mentioned that uh, Ricky Gervais and Chappelle go after Twitter trolls. And it's like, well, you have the biggest platform in the world, so do you really have to go against tri- Twitter trolls? Like, you've won, clearly. Do you, do you need to do this? Um, and that's kind of how I feel about Kevin Smith. Also, I wanted to bring up I mentioned I can't help but compare the two between Kevin Smith, Scott Mosier, and Pat Walsh and Joe DeRosa of We'll See You in Hell. And on the one hand, Pat Walsh and Joe DeRosa, they're very depressed, which I relate to tremendously. They're very cynical. They're very negative. But... They complain a lot, and I use the word complain lightly. I don't mean it in a negative sense. I just mean it in a practical... That's the that's the best word I can describe. They complain about Hollywood, and they, they talk about projects have, that have been um, rejected, and scripts that never went to fruition, and they talk about the hardships of working in TV and Hollywood and all this stuff. And on the other hand, Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier, they they have a lot of success on their hands. And I wanted to make this point. I can't think of any conceivable reason why Pat Walsh and Joe DeRosa shouldn't have as much success or if not more so success than Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier. And I don't mean to diminish Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier. I don't mean to take away their hard work and everything that they've done and they have accomplished. But I'm just going to refer to them as Smodcast and We'll See You in Hell because it's easier than listing all their names every time. Smodcast are two dudes. They're two talented dudes. They're two funny dudes. We'll See You in Hell are the same thing. They're two talented dudes. They're two funny dudes. They're two good dudes. So I don't... I don't really understand why Smodcast is so successful and We'll See You in Hell. Like, don't get me wrong, We'll See You in Hell has seen their successes. Um, Joe DeRosa is a stand-up. He's done comedy specials. He's he was on uh, Better Call Saul. He's had his successes. Pat Walsh has has seen his successes. He's worked in TV. He's um, he's written for a bunch of shows. He's done. He's been showrunner, but not to the extent of Kevin Smith. 
And I don't really know why. Um, if I had to pinpoint it, I think it's because of Clerks. Because Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier, in their 20s, they did that thing that We'll See You in Hell talked about, you know, Charlie Day and Rob McElhaney. They put their dick out on the table and they said, we're doing this. We're making this show. And I think when you're that young and hungry and and courageous and you take risks, that's what you need to do in this life to be successful. And that's what Kevin Smith did and Scott Mosier. Um, they did a whole dick on the table thing in their 20s and they made this movie for like 27,000 and it made 3 million and it launched his career. But at the same time, like, I've watched Clerks. I didn't really like Clerks. It's fine, but it's not it's not like an amazing movie. And when you think about it, when I think about it, has Kevin Smith made anything amazing? Um I recently bought Mallrats the Blu-ray. I haven't seen it all the way through. I want I want to watch it all the way through. Um, I saw Chasing Amy, didn't love it. I've never seen Jersey Girl. Tusk was fine. I've never seen Red State. Um, Zack and Miri is okay. Like, I don't know. It's like, and then, you know, we'll see you in hell. They always talk, they always talk, they always hate on Hollywood. But Kevin Smith is and Scott Mosher, they're talking about, hey, do you remember Sundance? We went to Sundance. Um, and then Kevin Smith's like, I I was invited to do this talk. I was getting this award. I was doing this talk for Google, all this stuff. It's like, I just find it amazing that how some people are able to get success. And I don't mean to take it away, but, and I know that Kevin Smith has his fans. He has a lot of fans, but I just can't help but wonder why. And I I think it's clear to me, I think We'll See You in Hell, are, they're just funnier to me. They just resonate with me a lot more. But I don't know. It's just, it kind of bothers me. Um, I don't know how Kevin Smith became this staple in Hollywood when... I don't know. It's clear that you don't have to be Kubrick to be a director. You don't have to be Steven Spielberg to be a director. You know? Um, You don't have to be Christopher Nolan. You can be a Kevin Smith. And he's like an inspiration to average people. I'd... I don't mean to be condescending, but but he is. He's he's just a dude. I mean, he tells that story about uh, going to an eight month film school and dropping out after four, and then somehow he succeeded. And you know, I don't know. It is interesting, and at the same time, he. I'm not even. I might consider myself a casual fan. Of Kevin Smith, I have been talking about him for like 15, 20 minutes. Um, 
and I like the podcast. It's funny, but I do feel burnt out on it. Like, like I said, we'll see you in hell. They talk about they talk personal stories for a little bit at the beginning of each episode. Kevin Smith sometimes does that for a full fifty episodes, and then multiply that by thirty. You know, I don't know how many podcasts he has total over the years, but here are the ones that I can list off the top of my head. Um, plus one with his wife, Jennifer Schwalbach, Jay and Silent Bob Get Old with Jason Muse, Smodcast with Scott Mosier, Edumacation with, I don't know his name, Hollywood Babylon with Ralph Garman. And I feel like he wants to commit every waking thought and every memory he has to archival audio footage for some reason. And it reminds me of that quote that Pat Walsh said when he was talking about Quentin Tarantino and The Hateful Eight. He was like, not every line is gold. You can trim some of this down. And that's kind of how I feel about Kevin Smith, whereas some people are more measured and more calculating in what they want to portray about themselves and what they want to say. And Kevin Smith just says anything and everything in his in his mind. And I get that. Like, I understand he's very he's known for being honest and candid about everything, but I feel like not not everything you have to say is interesting. Uh, I don't mean to be mean. Um, but I am being mean. It's like, you know, this is how I feel about listening to the first 20 episodes of Smodcast. But I looked at recent episodes of Smodcast. It's um, like from 2021. And it's like the secret history of the secret stash and he it feels like he he wants to make everything a, a an origin story but not every origin story is interesting and i i understand that i am a nobody and i don't matter my thoughts don't matter my opinion doesn't matter but uh who cares you know i'm just giving it anyway because i'm a man um what else did i want to say it's just weird that he thinks that his life history is so interesting and everyone wants to hear it. And at the same time, I'm just one dude complaining about it. But I understand, I know that he has a lot of fans. He has a big fan base. So may, maybe there are people who think anything and everything he has to say is interesting. I just think it's weird that I, I f maybe insulting is too harsh of a word, but I'm just going to use it in this instance. It almost feels kind of insulting that he thinks anything and everything he has to say is interesting and everyone would want to listen to it. Um, it's too much, Kevin Smith. It's It's too much. If I had to pick one project of his that I really liked... It would probably be Clerks 2. Um, it was just, I felt like it was a pleasant rom-com. 
And there's that one scene where, um, is his name Randall? Um, I'm going to say Randall. He's looking up at Rosario Dawson. I think Rosario Dawson is dancing. And the frame kind of closes up on Randall. Is it Randall? Um, I'm going to say Randall. And then I, I remember thinking, like, I want to feel about anything the way Randall feels about Rosario in that scene. Or I want to look at anything the way Randall looks at Rosario in that scene. I'd have to watch that again. Other than that, I don't know. Like, uh, again, I keep comparing to Will Sue and Hell, I can't help it. But, like, uh, Smodcast, they were quote-unquote complaining about how Kevin Smith was directing. He, he was a director for hire for a little bit because he was directing Reaper which wasn't his vision. He didn't write it. He didn't create it, but they wanted him to come in and direct either an episode or a few episodes. And Scott Mosier was doing some editing work for some projects that weren't his. It's not his vision. It's not any. It's not something he's producing. He's just editing for money. And they were quote unquote complaining about it because they were like, I'd rather work on my own stuff. And we'll see you in hell it's like i feel like they would kill for those kinds of positions maybe i'm wrong maybe that's maybe that's out of step for me to say um i think we should move on i've been talking about this too much i i don't know i i'm a casual fan i will probably continue smodcast but he's he's good in small doses you know, um, I really love his, their Harry Potter episodes. And Kevin Smith, he dominates those episodes so much. It's like anytime he lets Mosier speak, uh, my ears perk up. It's like, oh, what's he going to, what's Scott Mosier going to say? What's he, he finally, he's, he's going to get some, I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe he's just not for me. I feel like maybe I want him to be for me. I want to be a fan. And this is just me kind of fighting with myself, kind of discovering, you know, maybe he's not totally for me. Maybe he's a little bit for me, but not totally. Let's move on. That was a long, weird, pretty mean, uh, mean mean-spirited rant on Kevin Smith. Let's look at some headlines from movieweb.com um chris pratt sucks um jurassic world should cross over with fast and furious dominion star says are you guys going to watch jurassic world i almost said fantastic world dominion um I have a feeling I won't catch it in theaters. We, I, I think we saw the first one in theaters, and I liked it a lot, that first one. Um, we watched the second one at home, I think on HBO. And um, I, I, I don't have much interest in this third one. 
I, I have a feeling I have a feeling I'm going to wait till screaming. So I don't know. Taika Waititi addresses the possibility. Look at look at this. Look at this. Movieweb.com. Taika Waititi addresses the possibility of Thor 5. P-O-S-S-I-B-L-I-T-Y. Possibility. Look, I understand spelling mistakes happen. Happen. P- possibility? You're a big website. I mean, can you take the time? Um, I know I complained about Kevin Smith talking about himself for... Um, a long time, but I just want to say I I won the fourth grade spelling bee. I did. I I almost got knocked out after I spelled continually wrong, but I stayed in it and I spelled unidentified correctly, and I won the fourth grade spelling bee. I kicked all those other douches in the ass in terms of spelling. Movieweb.com, spell possibility right, not possibility. Jesus Cristo. You know, I, I've i had two people. I have my friend Germsboro, who's a big Marvel fan. And then this guy at work. This guy at work, I overheard him talking about No Way Home. And um, he was actually talking to another guy, and he spoiled the movie No Way Home a little bit for me. I heard the other guy tell him, when the three of them dot dot dot. So that's how I found out that the three Spider-Men united um, for No Way Home. So I figured he was a Marvel, a comic, uh, you know, a comic book movie fan. So I mentioned the Batman to him. I said, hey, have you seen the Batman? A little bit. We talked a little bit. And then one time I I talked to him about Doc Strange. And he's like, I'm going to see it Friday. I'm like, I really loved it. And then I never followed up with him again. I never asked him, did you see it? Did you like it? And then recently, he we, we rarely talk, only for him to tell me what to do at work because he's kind of a... He's a, a higher position than me. And he asked me, hey, did you see that tickets are on sale for Thor? And I was like, no, I didn't know. And I, I straight up asked him, are you excited for that one? He's like, yeah. And he was like, I think Thor's going to die. I think Natalie Portman's going to take over. And I was like, I didn't love Thor Ragnarok. I'm not all that excited for this Thor. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, why why would you be excited about Thor Love and Thunder? I mean, I can get looking forward to it. It's the next Marvel movie, but the tone, the comedic tone that they, Ragnarok was pretty bad with its comedy. I like the action fine. I like the movie fine, but even the trailer, like, Thor is doing, it's like awkward comedy, it's, it's, um, there's a possibility 
that I might watch Thor in theaters. No, I probably will. Um, those are good in the theaters. I, I'm worried about the. I'm worried about the comedy. Um, Puss in Boots too will deal with darker themes like mortality and death. Because Antonio Banderas is so old, he might die soon. I I watched the few episodes of the Umbrella Academy. Here's the headline. The Umbrella Academy Season 3 reviews praise the latest outing for Netflix's unorthodox superhero story. Um, I watched a few episodes of it. I did not like it. I did not continue it. I have no interest in the Umbrella Umbrella Academy. Um, uh, I'm not going to watch... I didn't like it. Not interested. Um, Also... Going back to Kevin Smith, um, I like, you know, Kevin Smith, he hated on Clue for a little bit in one episode. And for whatever reason, I find that refreshing. Obviously, in We'll See You in Hell, they, they openly shit on a lot of movies. And I just like the honesty, even when I like the movie. Like they, Joe DeRosa hates on um, Avengers: Infinity War, but I like the movie. But I find it refreshing when people are just honest. And Kevin Smith was saying like Clue is horrible; it's not funny. And I just I like it. I like I like that honesty about it. And he said he didn't like Nacho Libre. Um, all like. The current climate of people, I can understand trying to be positive and trying to maintain positivity. But if it's to the point where you can't even tell me an honest opinion about something, then then it's not, it's a cartoonish portrayal of positivity. It's fake positivity. Um, I remember going online, there was a, a live streamer who was premiering one of her videos where she was playing a game. And she was there for the premiere of the video, the release of the YouTube video. And I believe the game was The Last of Us. And whenever someone said like, oh, I don't like this, I don't like that, anything remotely negative, she would pipe in and she'd be like, hi guys, can we keep things positive, please? That I cannot abide by. I, I don't care for that. Um, again, I can understand trying to keep things positive, but if you're going to shut down any sort of argument when someone has a different opinion than you, like, oh, I don't like this, I don't like that, and you try to dissuade them, you you know, at some point you block them, you delete their comments because you don't like something that's something i i hate i can't i can't stand that um i, I don't know i whatever this is interesting because i recently watched jaws for the first time the headline is every film in the jaws franchise ranked um 
I would assume it's four three two one. But let's take a look. Jaws: The Revenge, nineteen eighty seven. Jaws: Three D, nineteen eighty three. Jaws two, nineteen seventy eight. Number one, Jaws. Okay, this article was pointless. Literally pointless. Literally, literally pointless. I've been wanting to say this for a long time. I don't know if I've... When I'm at work, I I talk to myself a lot. Usually it's stuff I want to say on the podcast. You know what? Forget this line of thinking. I'm going to move on. Uh, I can feel my eyes closing. Um... Amber Heard hasn't been cut from Aquaman 2 despite recent rumors. I can't speak on Amber Heard. I, I tried desperately not to follow the the news about them. I'm just going to focus on she's hot. Even the picture they inserted for this, um, this article. She's, she's a hot lady. Every movie in the Predator franchise ranked, no thank you. Riz Ahmed's best performances ranked, no thank you. Um, This is just dead air. Um, Josh Brolin interviews Josh Brolin in hilarious video after Jeremy Renner is unable to attend recording. That sounds funny-ish. Um, maybe I'll check that out. If you haven't watched, um, that Paul Thomas Anderson movie, I can't think of the name. Paul Thomas Anderson, the one that everyone hates and the one that I liked. Um, just give me the fucking filmography. Jesus Christ. Inherent Vice. Um, you, or you, you, if you don't want to watch the entire movie, you could just look up Inherent Vice, Josh Brolin clips. Because I was cracking up. I already talked about it, but you, it's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Why Return to Oz is the most faithful Wizard of Oz adaptation. Um, again, this is just dead, 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 dead air. Um, I don't know what the secret invasion is on Marvel. Um, I think we need to move on from the news beat. Tyler Perry clarifies his interaction with Will Smith after Oscar slap. Chris Hemsworth reflects on Thor Love and Thunder being the first MCU forkwell. Is forkwell a word? And if it is, it shouldn't be. And the only... I don't know why... Thor Love and Thunder is the first forequel. Maybe because all maybe because the Thor movies suck and they keep they have to keep trying. 
they were like Iron Man. We did it in three. Um, other ones we did it in three. Thor, like, uh, first one was okay. Second one was not good. Third one was bad. We gotta keep trying, guys. We've got to keep trying. My name is Thor. Um, I actually like the second one more than most people. I like the brotherly, uh, chemistry. I like the theme of brotherhood between the two brothers in Thor 2. I'd have to watch it again. A squid game or reality series is in the works at Netflix. Fuck you. Fuck reality series. Stop it with reality. I hate reality. Bring me into fantasy. Only Murder in the Building Season 2 trailer released. Haven't seen the first one. I like Steve Martin. I like Martin Short. I almost said Markin. You know, I, I always think of one line when I think of Selena Gomez. It's from a... Uh, it's from Wizards of Waverly Place. And I forget the context, but there was a some sort of leprechaun, and he was angry about something. He was, like, yelling. And then Selena Gomez was like, that's a lot of anger in a little person. <laughs> I don't know. It was funny. Um uh, check it. Check out the Wizards of Waverly Place. I guess I haven't watched the show. I just remember that clip. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes meets the tributes and mentors in Hunger Games prequel. Um, the newly announced cast will star alongside Tom Blythe and Rachel Zegler. I haven't read that prequel, but I always thought that they should make a prequel um, starring a young Woody Harrelson and his trials and tribulations volunteering as tribute. Um, I always thought that would be an interesting idea for a prequel. I don't know if that's the pre that's what the prequel is about. I haven't read it. Um, I don't think I will. Um, let's look at the cast for the the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Jerome Lance, never heard of him. Knox Gibson, never heard of him. Mackenzie Lansing, never heard of her. Ashley Liao, Fuller House, never heard of her. Uh, this movie should be called Never Heard of Them, the musical. Um, I think we, I think we should uh, move on. Um, let's move on. Let's look at my my list of things to talk about. Music beat. Again, periodically I've been I put on my soundtrack on Amazon Music, so it plays a bunch of random things, supposedly um, due to the algorithm and things that they think I'll like. It plays a lot of Judas Priest. Uh, 
I don't know why I've never listened to Judas Priest. Um, I, I've heard the name vaguely. Um, every time it comes on, the music is, is fine, but it almost, it almost sounds like a parody. It almost sounds like they're making fun of that genre, which I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's not the case. Um, you know, what's funny is the other day it played Mastodon. The curl is in the burl. And when you hear the song and you've never heard it before, it, it sounds like it's saying the, the girl of the world. But I've never heard of what a burl is. And I'm lo- I looked up the curl is in the, the curl is in the burl. Here's the lyrics as listed by Google. I killed a man because he killed my goat. I put my hands around his throat. He tried to reason with the sky and the clouds, but it didn't matter because they did they can't hear a sound. Troy explains the curl of the burl. The burl is the knot that's found in various trees. It's almost like a cancer of trees. Within that burl are unique swirls or curls. Let's move on from the music beat. The gaming beat. I'm I'm continuing playing Super Mario Odyssey. Um, you know what I've been doing is, it's one of my favorite things to do right now, is play games on my Switch and listening to podcasts. But the unfortunate um, effect of that is that you're not getting the full experience of playing the game. I've played Super Mario Odyssey before, so I don't really need that. But I, you know, I'm not getting the sound effects. I'm not getting the music. I'm listening to podcasts and playing the game. It's fun, but you know. And I already beat Bowser, so I'm going back and getting more power moons. Um, it it does feel a little bit just about going through the motions, but I, I enjoy the game. I just needed something to cure my Hyrule hangover, as it were. Edmund's Sad Stuff, where we talk about things that bring me further into financial ruin. I recently bought the Seinfeld Complete series on DVD. On a recent episode of We'll See You in Hell, they talk about their top uh, sitcom episodes of all time. And it was a very enjoyable episode, of course. Check it out on Patreon if you want to. But what's interesting is that they talk about Seinfeld, of course, because I love Seinfeld. I think I've seen every episode. I'm not sure about that, but I think I have. I think it's very funny. I love the show. I love it because it never got schmaltzy. There's never that turn where it gets emotional. And when you think of any and every show, every show gets emotional. Even like, I used to love King of Queens. 
but there were scenes in that show where you know Carrie would uh, lose a baby or she's she can't get pregnant and all this stuff there's there's emotional show um turns in almost every episode same with everybody loves raymond there's always that family element but seinfeld it it doesn't go that way the only one that i think that can be construed as emotional is there was one episode where kramer had a bunch of keys for seinfeld and then seinfeld was like that's it i've had it i'm taking your keys away and kramer was like what why what are you what are you doing that for and then i remember at the end of the episode seinfeld goes here and he tosses the keys back to him that's the only moment i felt that could be construed as like emotional schmaltzy or corny but other than that i can't think of many moments and that's what i think that that's why I think that show is very unique in that sense. Um, but what's interesting is out of all the episodes that Pat Walsh could have picked for Seinfeld, he actually picked one of the worst episodes of Seinfeld, in my opinion. And it, it just comes down to personal preference and personal taste. So I just found it interesting that he started talking about the one of the few episodes that I really don't like on Seinfeld. And as I never knew the episode name, but as soon as Pat Walsh said the dealership, I could already picture the episode in my mind. Um, Putty works at the dealership. Jerry goes there to try to get a deal. And... George is at that vending machine with the Twix bar. And Pat and Joe are praising this episode like it's so funny. And that that George sequence with the Twix bar in particular, they were like, oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. I hate that episode. Um, I actually felt like everything with George and that Twix bar, it, it felt to me that the writers really ran out of things to write about. To Like, at this point, late in the game, I think it was the last se- season, I'm not sure. Um, but they were saying that... I, I just hated that episode. It felt like the writers didn't know what to do. They're like, let's have George get angrier and, and angrier about a Twix bar in a vending machine. It's like, okay, print it. Um... But it's just interesting. It comes down to personal taste and preference. It it reminds me of a King of Queens episode, which I I used to love that series. I don't like saying it out loud because apparently many people disagree with that sentiment. I just realized that I didn't have the pop filter. So I must have been pop, pop, popping like crazy during this whole episode. But um, there's a King of Queens episode towards the end where uh, Kevin or Doug, Doug Heffernan, he becomes like boss of the office for a little bit for some reason. And he's like drunk all the time. And it it feels very similar to that Seinfeld dealership episode where it's kind of like slapstick and crazy and I just didn't like it. It 
there's this feeling that um, they don't, the writers just ran out of things to write about. Um, I guess, I guess it's just not for me, but people can disagree. That's fine. But anyway, for some reason, the complete series of Seinfeld is, it's like between 65 and $75 on Amazon new. But I got it for like $38 new, supposedly new on eBay. It was in plastic wrap and everything. And when I bought it, I'm like, well, it's $38. Um, it's almost half of a new copy of the complete series on Amazon. I wonder what this is going to be. Maybe it's bootleg. And I got it and it's completely intact. It looks new. I put the first disc in and it plays fine. So um, that's Edmund's sad stuff. $38 Seinfeld complete series on eBay. I, I don't know why you can get it for $38 new on eBay, but I did. Um, so check, check, check that out. I watched season one, episode one, the Seinfeld Chronicles. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll move into the movie beat only at 53 minutes on this part, on this episode. I watched Seinfeld episode one, the Seinfeld Chronicles. And I believe when the first, let me look this up. The Seinfeld Chronicles. When the first episode aired, the music was by Jep Epstein, who I don't know. I don't know who that is, but <laughs> obviously the music was wasn't a good fit. I think that happens a lot because. Same thing with like King of Queens in that first season. It was a different musical theme. And then they rightfully so decided to change it. But that pilot episode on the DVD, like the music is vastly different. And then they rightfully so decided to go with Jonathan Wolf. And in all the reruns, they went with his, you know, very famous do 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 do, do, do. How was that rendition? Bad? Very bad? Or terrible? Um, first episode... It's funny. So the plot... You know, the first season, it's kind of, you know, it's trying to find its rhythm. And the plot of the first episode is he's trying to meet with this woman that he met. And it reminds me of that story of Pat Walsh, where he was like, Pat Walsh has this story of, he had a, to quote him, a decade long crush with a woman. And she's like, hey, you want to see Ricky Gervais in New York? And he was like, fine. And she comes over and he was like, you want to stay on the couch? And she's like, no, please, I want to stay in the bed with you. And then right before they were about to, like, anything was going to happen, she was like, I got to tell you, I have a boyfriend. 
that's very similar to this plot in Seinfeld where he's trying to get with this girl and she finally calls and he's like, okay, let's meet at my apartment. So they're together. They're going to go on a boat ride the next day and they're drinking wine. And it turns out that she's engaged. So it's like weird. Also, um, in this first episode, he calls Michael Richards Kessler, which is a significantly lesser, funnier name than Kramer. So I'm glad they changed that as well. I also watched season one, episode four. So I I played the, um, you know, it's like the autoplay on the DVD. And there's this one line on the Wikipedia, despite airing fourth, it was the second episode produced so i mean that's confusing i don't know so i i just wanted to watch them in order but it's listed as season one episode four uh and it's the second one that plays on the dvd it's weird it's weird and this one is funny as well you know most of the time when i'm watching these i just I have a slight exertion of air out of my nose, and it go. It sounds a little something like this. <sighs> That's the sound of me laughing. And most most comedy comedy doesn't even make doesn't even get that out of me. But. Um, you know, Seinfeld, that's what I'm doing throughout these episodes. They're funny. I'm not like cackling. I'm not like busting a, a nut in terms of laughter. laughter. But I, I, I'm a very hard laugh. Um, but that's what happened. But what happens in this episode is Kevin Dunn, who I recognize mostly from Transformers, he played Shia LaBeouf's father. He plays a friend of Jerry and Jerry, like an old friend, a childhood friend. And Jerry almost like doesn't want to have anything to do with him. But he's he's too um, intimidated, too scared to tell him that I I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And he tries to at one point and then Kevin Dunn starts crying. So he's like, no, forget I said it for anything. Forget I said it. Um, This is the only Seinfeld episode whose title does not begin with the definite article, The. This episode is called Male Unbonding. Um, So, it's a funny, funny episode. I, uh, so far I've seen these two episodes in my DVD watching. And it was the first appearance of Elaine, who's... Let's just move on. Beautiful. She's a beautiful girl. Um, what else? Let me click green. I'm going to go onto my Excel sheet. And I'm going to fill in the color of Seinfeld ep- Season 1, Episode 4, Male Unbonding. 
came out in 1990. I watched it on DVD. I'm going to fill it in the color of green to signify that I have talked about it. And I'm ready to move on. I forgot that I wanted to talk about Norm MacDonald, Nothing Special. Ugh, I keep putting this off. Because I, I have a... Alright, let's just do it. So I wanted to talk briefly about me and stand-up comedy. I'm not a fan of stand-up comedy. Something about the format. Something about a person going on stage and mentally, emotionally, and sometimes physically, I have my arms crossed and I'm like, this fucker is supposed to make me laugh? That's my attitude. I almost take it as a challenge. Like, this person is supposed to say things out of their mouth and make me laugh? That's just how I feel. Um, every time, like, when you're scrolling through Netflix and you have that preview of people doing stand-up comedy, I almost never laugh. Like, almost never laugh. Seinfeld might be uh, an exception. Because I think his special, I'm telling you for the last time, I thought that was very funny. I like Chappelle, but an acquaintance of mine described him as being a great orator, like a great speaker, but with jokes sprinkled in. So I like what he has to say, and I think he's funny. So, so to call it purely stand-up special... But then again, most of these stand-up specials, they, they have an agenda a lot of the times. So it's it's funny what's, what quote-unquote stand-up comedy has become, has morphed into over the years. But for the most part, I don't like the, the format. At least when you have a movie, a comedy movie or a comedy TV shows, you have story arcs and characters you can relate to or hate or, or resonate with. Stand-up comedy is just, I, I don't know, I don't like the format. So I watched Norm MacDonald, Nothing Special, came out this year on Netflix. And it's just him talking into a camera on his computer, essentially. There's two camera angles. Um, you know, his best friend, confidant, partner of sorts, Lori, Joe, something. Um, you can hear him mention her. So obviously she was sort of involved in the quote-unquote production of this. I don't want to disrespect the lady. Let me get her name. Norm MacDonald. Nothing special. Um... I, I almost want to say Lori Beth Denberg of She's All That fame. But clearly, that's not who we're talking about. I mean, literally, clearly, it's not the same Lori Beth. It's not the same Lori. Lori Joe Hoekstra. Um, All-time companion of Norm MacDonald. So, I believe the story is... He had to go undergo some sort of procedure the next day. And he was like, well, I've been working on this all on this material. And I feel like I should get it down just in case something 
unfortunate happens during this procedure. And let me just get it down. We are in the middle of COVID. People aren't performing. I am sick. I am dying. I better get this down just in case. I don't know how the procedure went. I don't know if he died during that procedure. I don't know the details. But let's let's talk about that special. I watched the special. I had a few laughs. You know, I chuckled a little bit, some like similar to what I said earlier about slight exertion of ox- oxygen or carbon dioxide. Now you exhale carbon dioxide and you inhale oxygen. I think that's how it works. Um, you know, I wasn't cackling out loud. I wasn't guffawing. Hoo-hoo. There were funny moments in the special. Um, I like the bit about, I think we should stop slut-shaming sluts because if we continue to slut-shame sluts, they might stop being sluts. I thought that was funny. Um, and, you know, I can't, you know, the casino stuff, I bet everything on black and then the dealer says, red and i said god damn it i almost did i almost bet on that see even saying the joke i messed it up there was a few funny things in it um again something about the format even with norm mcdonald even with the great norm mcdonald i wasn't like guffawing but i enjoyed the special i i like how it's his clearly his last special and this was his last bit. And there w- there was still no sign of, folks, this is my last special. I'm sick. I'm dying. I'm on my way out. Um, it's been fun performing for you all these years. It was fun while it lasted. God bless. N- there's no sign of that. He's talking about sluts. Stop, sluts stop being sluts on his special. And I, I love that about him. Um, you know, one joke that I think I keep, I always, I forgot to talk about my history with Norm MacDonald. Um, let me just do that now. Norm MacDonald, I ne- I have never thought about Norm MacDonald before he died. I only ta- I only thought about him after he died, which is weird. And after he died, I couldn't stop thinking about him. I became I became a big fan after he died, which is weird. You know, my you know, after he died, I talked to my brother a bit about it. I'm like, "Do you have thoughts on Norm Macdonald?" And he said, "All I have are faint memories of him on the news update and no one laughing on SNL and that's that's pretty accurate and that's the thing when you're a kid and you watch clips of SNL um and you see that the audience isn't laughing you you tend to believe that oh this guy is not funny this material is not funny but then you realize, no, that audience is just extremely dumb. That audience is dumb and they they don't get the jokes or what, whatever the issue is. 
but as a kid you start to think oh he he's not funny he shouldn't be doing this segment for so many years like why does this idiot have this segment if no one's laughing and it's only when you're an adult that you you're able to distinguish oh he was funny that material was funny that audience was just dumb and um you're able to think about it more critically rather than the simplicity of, oh, people aren't laughing, that must mean that um, this material isn't funny. And so after he died, I just started watching all of his clips on YouTube, and I thought he was very funny. And I would get very sad that he died, which is, again, weird, because I've never given a single thought about the man until after he died. Um... Like, Bob Saget died, and I didn't give two thoughts about him. I don't know why. Because I used to be, as a kid, I used to be a big Full House fan. And then after Bob Saget died, I'm just like, that's weird that he died. They didn't really give a cause of death for his death. And um, and even now, it's like, I don't know why I didn't feel anything for Bob Saget. I feel like I should feel more, almost like a father figure in my life had passed, but I didn't care. I don't again, I don't want to be mean, but I don't know why I didn't care. When I have all these fond memories of Danny Tanner, I don't have fond memories of Norm Macdonald as a as a kid, but right but now I am a big fan. Also, I don't understand why Bob's had, like, I saw clips, like the preview on Netflix of, they had this big show for Bob Saget, a Bob Saget tribute with Jim Carrey, Chris Rock, Jeff Ross, I think, and an audience, and John Mayer, like, all the great comedians of our time, Jim Carrey, Jeff Ross, Jeff Ross, Chris Rock, I already messed up the bit, John Mayer, John Mayer is such a fucktwad. Um, why, why does Bob Saget get a, a tribute special with all these big, with an audience, like a show? And that brings me to the after special of Nothing Special. The first seconds of this after commentary, I thought was very awkward, just because I wasn't sure what to expect. It almost felt like they were going to get into, so what do you think comedy means to you? Like, that's what that's the feel it felt like it was going to be. So you got Conan, you got Molly Shannon, David Letterman, David Spade, Adam Sandler, David Chappelle. A, a great roster of people. Uh, it was almost like uh, the Talking Dead or Talking Bad talking norm you know they should have called this talking norm it felt it's like thinking about it is a little awkward because you have norm mcdonald who did this nothing special straight to a camera on his computer and you have five six of his friends who are great comedians in their own right and they're just talking um and Parts of it were like they were analyzing jokes, which I, I don't know if we needed that. Um, I, it, it felt a little weird, to be honest. 
but there were some things that I liked. But then again, it, it part of it almost felt like sitting by the campfire reminiscing about Norm, which I like that also. But there is a bit of weirdness mixed in there. They're talking like David David Letterman treats it like he's interviewing everyone, which was a little odd. Conan dominates the thing, which I didn't mind. You know, I like Conan. I'm a fan of Conan, and he had interesting stuff to say. Molly Shannon, for for whatever reason, felt like um, she had, it had it was hard for her to get in there in terms of saying stuff. Chappelle had great stuff to say. Spade and Sandler didn't have much to say. I would say. They talked about his gambling. They talked about the man, which I liked. Um, maybe if I watch it again, I'll I'll like it, uh, or I'll like it more. I I feel like there's a weirdness attached to it, where it's like five six comedians analyzing what they just saw. It's like we don't really need you to analyze the jokes or analyze the comedy or like if he if he said this in front of an audience, do you think he would kill? Uh, I don't know. It was a little weird. But here I am talking, analyzing, talking about people, talking, analyzing about Norm MacDonald's Nothing Special. Um, God, I forgot to mention in my Kevin Smith rant that I hate those emo Kev episodes. Some occasionally I will Google smart best smartcast episodes and someone listed Evo Kev, Emo Kev. So I know I know people love him and I guess part of me doesn't understand that. But I hate the Emo Kev episodes because it's literally Kevin Smith playing audio clips of him as an emo teenager or whatever, and and talking and analyzing about himself. And it feels like a snake eating its own ass, eating its own ass, eating its own ass. And it's so up its own ass, it's crazy. All right. I just wanted to get that out of there. I forgot about that. So there it is. Back to Norm MacDonald, nothing special. Um, when when they, t- like, Mo- Molly Shannon, I always want to say Molly Ringwald. When Molly Shannon starts talking about um, Norm MacDonald mentioned his mom. She's like, mom's a great lady. I've seen clips of him do that before. I think here, here I am analyzing the special, but I think he's thinking about, you know, death and he loves his mom and he wishes he could be here. I think his mom's still alive. I'm not sure. But, you know, he's got to be thinking, like, I'm going to I'm gonna leave this earth soon, and I'm going to leave my mom. And his mom's obviously significantly older than him, but he's not going to be there to take care of her, and there's nothing he can do, and he's, he's going to be dead soon, and his mom's going to be alone, unless she has, like, friends or whatever. So that was very sweet. I almost started choking up thinking about that when Molly Shannon started talking about his mom. Um, overall, I 
I haven't watched Hitler's Dog. I haven't watched Norm doing stand-up. As Joe DeRosa says, it's a finite product. You know, he's gone. There's not going to be any more Normus specials. So, um, I will watch them eventually. I, I, I would, I'm going to recommend an, a CD by Norm MacDonald called Ridiculous. I think it's from 2006. It's it's pretty funny. Um, I think the first track is a Fantastic Four bit, and it's very funny. Um, it's Norm Macdonald as um, Reed Richards, and he's talking to the f- four, the three, the four of them, and he's like, he's talking about how. I've, I've figured out a name for our group, and I've figured out names for all of us. Um, Sue, Sue Storm, you, are, you can turn invisible, and you're a woman. So you are the invisible woman. Ben Grimm, you're a thing of a man, so you should be called the thing. And the torch boy, which I forget his name, um, Sue Storm, Johnny Storm. Johnny Storm, you're human yet you are also a torch so you are a human torch i can stretch my body so i will be called mr fantastic anyway moving on and it goes from there and then they start arguing with him like why are you called mr fantastic it's very funny um will ferrell appears on the cd i thought it was him i thought it was him i looked it up i I'm pretty sure it's him. Um, you should check out Ridiculous. It's probably streaming. I think it's on Amazon Music. I also bought the CD. Um, I, but I haven't seen Norm doing stand-up or Hitler's Dog. Also, why the fuck haven't they re-released The Norm Show? Is it a rights issue? If it's a right issue, if it's a rights issue, fucking figure it out and release the show. Like it's dumb. Um, it's three DVDs or three seasons of DVDs. Just fucking release it. You have to find old used copies for a hundred, two hundred dollars. Um, at one point I found on Mercari, there was a person selling burned DVDs. So I have burned DVD copies of the Norm show. Um, it's, it's not the same thing. Like it's fine. I can put it into my PS5 and watch them fine. I also have a few years of SNL to, it was right after Norm died. I got the Norm show and I got when he was on SNL, like in the nineties, they're burned copies. Like, and I, he probably, whoever sold it to me probably got in trouble cause I can't find his account anymore. But that's what I recommend. If you're interested in finding the norm show, or I'm sure you can find it online. Um, I'm an old man at this point. I just, I prefer, I prefer burn DVDs over online, but I, fr- I prefer actual CDs or actual DVDs rather than the burned kind, but just fucking release the Norm show on DVD. God damn it. Um, 
Norm MacDonald. So I heard the joke Chris Rock said. It sucks that I can't do a Chris Rock impression. It sucks that Bob Saget had to die for Jim Carrey to go back on stage. I'll watch that. I'll watch it just because of curiosity, you know. But why does Bob Saget get a show and Norm MacDonald didn't? Why haven't they released the Norm show after he died? I bought a shirt that says um, it's Norm MacDonald as Burt Reynolds. And it says Turd Ferguson on it. I don't know why he wasn't in more skits. He was very funny. Also, I keep thinking about this joke. The man was very funny and he was very bold. There's a clip on YouTube of Norm MacDonald on Conan. And he says, yeah, did you hear? Michael Jackson's having a kid. He said if he said if it's a girl, he's going to name it Shannon. And if it's a boy, he's going to have sex with it. And it's an outrageous joke. It's all—it's always funny. At the time, you know, people groan, people chuckle out of being shocked. Now, every time I talk about that joke, every time I think about it, every, every time I tell someone that joke, it makes me crack up. That's, I mean... I can't really say that's the type of dude Norm was because I I technically I technically only discovered him after he died. You know, discovered his comedy or appreciated his comedy after he died. He was at that sports show. He's like, "You you have the highest accolades out of any athletes. No one can take that away from you." Well, unless you kill someone. You need people like that. I'm sorry, you just do. Can you imagine a world where comedians become too scared to say the jokes that that Norm was never scared of saying? Can you imagine? I mean, that's kind of the world we're entering. I don't like Aziz Ansari. He was funny on Parks and Rec. His specials on Netflix are... Some of the most unfunny things I've ever had to experience. I watched his 27-minute special. I'm not exaggerating when I say I I was getting teary-eyed because I was hurting so much inside. And I know some people are like, oh, come on, you didn't get teary-eyed. I'm like, I was. I tried to watch it just to experience it, and I found it disturbingly unfunny. Um... Funny on Parks and Rec, but that was the writers. I'm sure he didn't write the material because his stand-up is not funny. And they showed people in the special laughing. They showed people in the special wiping their eyes. But he's not a funny man. Um, Also, Pete Davidson sucks. Let's move on. We're at an hour and 23 minutes. I'm not going to talk about Jaws because the only reason why I watched Jaws after all these years is because Kevin Smith talked about a documentary called The Shark is Still Working. And he said it was a fascinating documentary. I'm like, I don't want to watch the documentary before having watched Jaws. So I decided to watch Jaws, but I still have not seen the documentary. So I'll leave that for a future ep. I did watch Top Gun. 
for the first time. came out in 1986. I watched it on Prime Video. I liked it. You know, Pat Walsh recently talked about it. He said the movie is homoerotic, and I can't argue that. I feel like the target audience or one of the target audiences for that movie are for people who are attracted to men, people who are attracted to Tom Cruise. Because Tom Cruise does this signature smirk in the movie approximately 80 billion times, and I, I frankly thought it was kind of annoying. Um, he smirks a bunch, he shows his bangers. It's like, bangers? Is that a term for teeth? It's like, we get it, Tom. You have a good dental plan, all right? We get it. Um, you don't have to shine your teeth at us. Um, I liked it. I did find myself having a little trouble trying to escape into the movie because, you know, I kept I keep thinking about the the Twilight Zone disaster, like, lower, bring the helicopter lower, and then John Landis ends up decapitating, decapitating either one or two or three people and killing all three of them. But as I was watching Top Gun, I'm like, deep in my heart, I, I know Tom Cruise is not flying in a jet, you know. I know that Anthony Edwards isn't flying in a jet. But I, I wish... I could, you know, maybe it's my state of mind. May I wish I could just disappear into the world and, like, believe that Tom Cruise is actually flying, flying this jet. But my brain wouldn't allow it. it. It was like, you know, he's not in that goddamn jet. You know he's not. But I did like it, you know. Um, Pat Walsh, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the Ridge Top Gun from 1986. But he he talked about Top Gun in a relatively recent episode. He says, Goose dies at the end. Goose dies at the end. And then Joe's like, Joe's never seen it. And Joe's like, I know he dies at the end. And so I knew he dies at the end because Pat Walsh said he dies at the end. And it's not really at the end. It's, there's still... I can't remember if it was 40 minutes after movie started or 40 minutes till the end of the movie, but it's it's like right before the last act of the movie, but there's still a lot a significant chunk to go in the movie. So he doesn't really die at the end, but he does die. And it is impactful. It's very sad because you do kind of fall in love with Goose and he has a kid and he has a wife or girlfriend in Meg Ryan and and Goose is very lovable and he's kind of the, I don't know the terminology, but uh, wingman of Tom Cruise. He's like the guy in the back of Tom Cruise's jet and he just dies. He, uh, Tom Cruise ends up in jet wash, whatever that is. I feel like it's the fuel. I have no idea about jet terminology. Um, I don't apologize because I, I work in an Amazon warehouse. I'm not a fucking jet. I don't even know the terminology for a jet career person. A jet. I'm not a naval aviator. All right. Um, so he's. I feel like the jet wash is the sort of fuel residue or something 
and he's like, we, we're in the jet wash, we're in the jet wash, and the jet starts spinning, and there's nothing they can do, and Tom Cruise cannot reach the ejection lever. So Tom Cruise, or Maverick, if you will, is like, Goose, you got to get the ejection, you got to eject us, you got to eject, I can't reach it. And then finally he does, and he ends up banging his head on the way out and dying. And, you know, I like the story. It's kind of a simple story, but I liked it. I think it was Tom Skerritt. Almost immediately after Goose dies, Tom Skerritt is like, you got to let him go. You got to let him go. Like, either the next day or later that day. But I'm like... I have pets that have died years ago, and I'm still not over it. So you expect Maverick to get over his best friend's death, like, later that day after he died? Like, and I, uh, I don't know. Self-care. Take care of your mental health. You know? You don't have to get over a best friend's death. You know, take your time, Maverick. Take your time. Um, you know what I was I also found interesting about the end of this movie. It's 1986. And the end of this movie is he's like the backup. You know, Iceman played by Val Kilmer who becomes the top of the top gun. He goes on a mission right away. And he's like, I got bogeys on my tail, help me. Maverick, get get your ass out here. So Maverick's the backup, and he gets called in. So Maverick comes in, and then he successfully defends against these enemies, whoever they are. And then he saves Iceman's ass. And the bogeys are falling out, falling back, da-da-da. And there's this big heroic thing at the end, and everyone's cheering. And I understand that it's a big popcorn finish to the movie. I get that. But I couldn't help but feel like, why are you guys celebrating? Like, if this was real life, you wouldn't celebrate. You would literally probably be called onto the next mission immediately. You know, there wouldn't be no time to go back to the base and celebrate and clap everyone um, and have this triumphant moment. And then at the end, the Tom Cruise's old supervisor is like, you have carte blanche to do whatever you want. What do you want to do? And, and Maverick's like, I think I want to become an instructor. And he's like, you instruct Top Gun? Huh. And like, you know, that's the end of the movie. It reminded me of Rudy. Like Rudy, there's, he, I forget the plot of Rudy. I think Rudy was like too short. Everyone's like, you're short, you're fat, you'll never make it in life. And at the very end of the movie, he, he makes one sack and everyone's cheering him like i don't i'm not even sure if the football game ended he makes one successful sack and everyone's high-fiving him and i'm like you made one sack and you're high-fiving everyone the game's still going like you're still losing uh 37 to 0 and you you're clapping each other for sacking one guy that's how i felt about this movie um like you defended iceman against a, a couple of bogeys like there's still more work to be done. I don't think you 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 can go back to base and clap everyone. Um. Anyway, Top Gun. It's entertaining. Um, if you're attracted to men or Tom Cruise, I think you'll like it even more. 
I'm at an hour 31. Um, let me just, I'll talk briefly about inventing Anna. My, I, I didn't watch, the, I don't think I watched the entire thing, but my wife was like, it took her a few months to finish the whole series. I think she would take long breaks in between episodes. She, she was like on the fence while watching it. She's like, I'm not sure if I like it. I'm not sure if I find it interesting. But um, there was one episode where she decided it is interesting. I, I like the show now. And then she essentially made me binge the rest of the series in like a day. I'm like, I didn't have the heart to tell her, like, I don't really want to watch this. I want to watch Obi-Wan. Um, can I briefly sidestep to Obi-Wan? I, I, me and my wife are watching Obi-Wan. We are enjoying it to the point where she got angry that there aren't any new episodes. So she's like, let's, let's let them pile up a little bit so we could binge it. Um, and I listened to We'll See You in Hell and Joe DeRosa is not enjoying Obi-Wan because he thinks there is a, a woke agenda. And I, I, th I think I disagree. I understand what he's saying. But when that guy from Dexter, um, not Dexter, but it was Dexter's friend that Dexter ends up killing, uh, Jimmy Smith's, I want to say, he's like, she's just as important as the boy. I, I, that, that line didn't bother me, you know, um, and it really bothered Joe. Joe's like, can you not? This is so painfully obvious that they're making this into like a woke agenda that women are just as important as men. And I, I didn't see it that way. I just thought it was part of the story. I don't know. It, again, it's interesting how things affect different people differently. And so like, I, I like Obi-Wan so far. Um, uh, I, I realize I've talked about this in the Boba Fett episode. Um, my memory is so thrashed. But, you know, I, ho I hope Joe ends up liking the series overall. Because he's such a Star Wars fan, I, I just want him to be happy. I just want those boys to be happy, you know. I just want happiness for them. And um, he's in, he's, he was in the middle of it. And I, th I figured they were going to dedicate the first three episodes to Leia and then the second three episodes to Luke, but I don't know. And as of right now, I've only seen the first eight, two or three episodes. I haven't seen all of it. I don't think all of it is out yet, but I am enjoying Obi-Wan. Um, what else? Back to Inventing Anna. You know, I think people are praising this Julia Garner. I didn't I didn't like her performance in Inventing Anna just because I didn't buy her accent. And at first I thought that was part of the show, like that was part of the character. But no, she's supposed to be a Russian girl who was born and raised in Russia, then moved to Germany, and she's posing as an heiress. 
but her accent to me didn't sound like any sort of accent. It was like coming in and out of a quote unquote foreign accent, but you couldn't tell if it was German, if it was Russian. I don't really know how to interpret that character or her um, performance, but I hear she's uh, getting accolades mostly for Ozark, I think. I think she's playing a southern girl, and I believe she is American in real life. Also, side note, I saw that she is married to Mark Foster of Mar- Foster the People. That's the instrumental part of All the little kids with their pumped up kids You wanna run, better run, suck on my dick um, So... Inventing Anna, Julia Garner, it's not so much that she, I don't like her performance, I didn't like the character, and I also think that was the point. Um, I think when you have someone posing as, as an heiress, and she kind of dupes all these people, there's an element of people wanted to be duped, they wanted to be... They wanted to believe that she was an heiress. And I believe in real in ra- reality, she was actually... Uh, she had no money at all. So I don't understand... The movie, the show plays her out to be some kind of hero. You know, you have this lawyer defending her, trying to you know, get her out of jail time. Um, and he defends her like two out of seven counts, whatever. She gets a, she gets a not guilty verdict in the show. I'm a, I don't know how accurate it is. But then the journalist is like, I care about her, but why? I, I understand that, you know bigger picture it was a girl with dreams with goals and she aimed high and she did fake it till she made it but the the truth is in the pudding all right the proof is in the pudding you know i started to like the character of rachel after a while because she they really humanized her and how the friend casey Casey was like, I got a real friend because Rachel was like asking me how sh- how I was and she was there for me. And I know they, they, they humanized Rachel and then by the end they villainized her again. And they were like, well, isn't it true that you came to New York to write stories and to work for Vanity Fair and you befriended this interesting girl and now you sold your story for... $630,000. So isn't that really your goal? Isn't that why you're doing all this? And then she, her, she got a not guilty verdict. So she was, um, Anna was not guilty of defrauding her friend Rachel, which I, I understand that Rachel supposedly voluntarily gave her money to cover expenses, but they did portray it as her trying to help out a friend. You know, and yeah, when you get down to it in terms of the law, well, she didn't force you to let her borrow your card. Um, She didn't coerce you. You voluntarily gave your card. But that's still a dick thing to do. You're out $62,000 because of this girl. 
And then yes, Amex ended up paying up paying back some most if not all of the money, but still I ended up coming away liking Rachel more than Anna. And Anna lied a bunch. She she and then she she kept saying, I am not a scam artist, I am not simply an influencer, I am not fake. But she was fake. Uh, she didn't have a trust fund. She didn't have any money. She lied. And I guess the true question about is like, well, if she lied and all these powerful people believed her, isn't that the fault of the powerful people? Well, yes, powerful people are extremely dumb and gullible and stupid, and they'll believe lies because they want to for their own benefit. So who's really at fault, I guess, is the point of the show. I don't know. But she 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 lied a lot, and she should be punished. And I don't think she was a hero at the end of that show that the show kind of tried to make her out to be. Um, she was a, a liar and a woman. It's kind of redundant, isn't it? Okay, we've reached the end of the episode. I'm at a 1 hour 40. Um, I'm all talked out. I need another sugar-free Red Bull. I drank it before the episode, so I didn't uh, crack it open on air. So, for the next episode, Mortal Kombat is next in line, but I don't even remember if I mentioned that I want to watch Enter the, the Dragon. I wanted to watch some of the movies that influenced Mortal Kombat. Um, so we'll see if I'll be able to accomplish that. I gotta be honest, I watched the Ridge Mortal Kombat uh, a year or so ago, or a few years ago. I didn't really love it, and I gotta be honest, I'm not too keen on watching it again. Maybe I'll do commentary on it, so I can talk about whatever the fuck I want whilst watching the movie. So I don't have to rewatch it again. I don't know. Or maybe I'll, re- I'll try to rewatch it and o- with an open heart, as Pat Walsh says. And see, maybe I'll like it again. Maybe I'll grow to appreciate it. It just felt kind of long and boring to me. But I know some people thought it was fun. But I do want to crack... I I have a Criterion collection of Bruce Lee. It's like Bruce Lee's greatest hits. And it's a bunch of his movies. So I I want to open that up and and check, 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 check check it out. Uh, That's all I got for this episode. This bonus movie beat number two. Um, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe. Um, COVID's up and down. You know, I always Google, is COVID over? And then there's always news like, another wave's coming, another wave's coming. So I don't know. Um, My nephew was COVID positive, but he's young and vibrant. I'm sure he's fine. Um, I hope you're well. I hope your pets are well. I hope they're happy and healthy. Um, take care of yourselves Uh, don't abandon your friends if you like Final Fantasy uh, I wanted to mention this Um, there's there's apparently a a Final Fantasy 7 anniversary live stream it's going to be 10 minutes as announced online and I didn't find out until 2 days after they announced it and I only saw it because someone on YouTube that I subscribe to mentioned it in a compu- community post. And it was from two days ago. 
and that's unfortunately a, a an unfortunate effect of being off social media cuz i didn't hear about it till 2 year, 2 days later and i could have missed this news i could have missed the live stream and you know i'm trying to create videos for final fantasy 7 and i could have missed this event so do i have to sacrifice my mental health and go on social media to to be informed to be in the know i don't know i don't know what to do um but if you like final fantasy 7 check out youtube.com slash slash odd drummer gaming if you like drums and video games check out youtube.com slash drum j8 even though i haven't posted in like two months because i have no energy because my mind body and soul is thrashed and tired and exhausted and i have no energy or motivation to do anything or, or everything ever <sighs> thanks for listening say hi to your pets for me bye